Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, along with Dr. Harley Rothbart. We're talking about his latest work, and No Regrets Living. His website is his name, linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Heel key number four was appreciate. I kind of like this one, Doc. <laughs> I do too, George. It's a, it's, it's a recognition that I have had for the last several years that when I take a pause every day, to reflect on what I'm grateful for that day. It's remarkable how much changes from day to day. That is how much more I have to be grateful for today than I did even yesterday. Things that that hadn't even happened yesterday that did happen today. And I'm grateful, of course, for things in the past, too. And by taking a few minutes, and and for me, that takes the form of prayer. For other people, it takes the form of meditation. It takes the form of, of quiet reflection. It may be running. It may be, it may be exercising and getting an endorphin rush and pausing long enough during that to appreciate the ability to exercise, the ability to run. But I think it's very important for people every day to just take a few quiet moments and <clears throat> ask themselves, what do I have to be grateful for today? My health, my family, uh, my business, uh, my, my um, uh, progress as a human, all of those things are worthy of gratitude. And, and once a day, I think we need to pause to appreciate. Waking up is uh, appreciation, isn't it? Boy, that's, that's the truth. And, and uh, to be perfectly candid, sometimes I appreciate that a couple times a night. Yep. And and <laughs> and yes, we we should appreciate every day that we wake up. And uh, I had uh, significant heart surgery, a quadruple bypass, six years ago. Oh, and um, when I after that procedure, all I wanted was a was a return to routine, was a return to normalcy, to be able to to get up in the morning without pain, to be able to roll over in bed, to be able to go for a walk around the block. And uh, I became astutely grateful for the things that I had so often taken for granted. And I have not taken things for granted since then. Absolutely. Where'd they get the veins, from your leg or your arm? My, my leg. My leg. And it, the leg took longer to heal than my chest. It was a procedure. <laughs> Next one, accept. What's that? Well, um, I believe in fate. And, um, and fate has been my way of explaining um, so many things that happen in life that otherwise don't have an explanation. When my kids were young, um, I was able to explain, you know, a, a, a disappointing test or uh, a failure to get into the college that they had hoped to get into or uh, an accident that prevented them from getting where they had to be, but from which they emerged safely. I was able to ascribe all of that to fate and explain that to them. But recently, I've become aware of really specific occurrences in life that without which um, uh, we wouldn't be here or we wouldn't enjoy the life that we have, and that those occurrences, inflection points throughout our life, are really um, a matter of fate. And 
it begs the question of predetermination and do we have do we have freedom of freedom of choice? Do we have free will in life? Um, and those are questions that are difficult to answer, and they go back to key number one, and that is belief. I believe that there is a fate for all of us, but I also believe that we have free will, and I recognize the conflict. I recognize that those are in direct conflict, but because of a sense of belief, because I believe that there is knowledge and understanding greater than, I, greater than me and greater than I will ever have, I'm able to accept, in, in key number five, I'm able to accept fate. Um, I'm able to accept reward and punishment. And again, a controversial thing to accept. Um, but I don't know, I cannot attest to the reward and punishment that comes from above or reward and punishment that we may find in an afterlife. I, I'm hopeful that both of those things are true. But I can, I can accept reward and punishment that we feel immediately by our actions. We all know the feeling of, of reward that we experience when we do something good, when we help someone, when we benefit the world in some way. And we all know the feeling of punishment, of the guilt sure. of doing something wrong. That's immediate. And I, so I, I accept reward and punishment. Doc, the next key is seek. Explain that one for us. We all need to be um, searching for things in our life. <clears throat> the most important, <clears throat> pardon me, the most important, I believe, is purpose. I think we all need to find purpose in our lives. And I look around at, at nature, um, animals, birds, and, and it's clear what their purpose is. It's instinctual. Their purpose is survival. Their purpose is breeding. Their purpose is raising their young. Um, and their purpose is instinctual. Humans have um, really the responsibility to find purpose beyond instinct. We have to find things in our life that are not necessarily reflexive, that are not necessarily obvious, um, that keep us going, that, that give us reason to live. Um, there's a very famous uh, psychologist named Viktor Frankl, controversial in many ways, but he wrote a book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And that book really um, implies and that without a sense of purpose, without seeking purpose, um, our lives are shorter, our lives are less fulfilling, um, and, uh, and we, we, we lose the, the reason to live. And that that's at the root of, of suicide, at the root of the depression that you mentioned earlier. I think we need to seek self-forgiveness. Uh, many of us, myself included, um, blame ourselves for things that we may indeed have done wrong, that we may be guilty of. But I, I think we have to seek forgiveness for ourselves. And, and I, that's an important part of, of No Regrets Living. The last key is grow. Explain that one. I urge everyone to identify mile markers in their lives. That is, inflection points, turning points in their lives where they can recognize their personal growth. Um, I, I do that in the way of a personal reflection in the book, but I think it's, I think it's useful, helpful, important for everyone to appreciate the fact, to recognize that that with each day we do grow, 
and to identify those specific mile markers of growth in our lives, because that helps us to recognize um, that we are different today than we were yesterday. Hopefully, we're better today than we were yesterday. But if we're not better today than we were yesterday, that's what we should strive for for tomorrow. And I think those mile markers uh, of growth in our lives uh, lead us there. And um, my favorite country music song um, is Live Like You're Dying. Um, it's, a, it's a fabulous song that, that wishes that everyone could experience the sense of thinking they were dying soon and they could you know, love more strongly, feel more deeply, um, and, and appreciate everything in their lives in a more um, uh, compassionate way. And I think that's part of growth as well, too to realize that we are all here temporarily and that we should try to live like we're dying. Did your father talk much about Auschwitz to you? He really didn't, and um, I'm sorry that I didn't ask more. Uh, it's a, it's I'm, not, a I'm not sure he would have told you more, Doc. You I think he would have. I think, I, I think he would have um, been hesitant to. But I, he always tried to protect us, and so you're probably right. And I have an experience that I talk about in the book with my grandfather, not my father, who was asked to relive a horrific experience that he had in Europe where he watched his mother and his sister die at the hands of the Cossacks in a pogrom. And um, he buried that story, buried that story for 70 years until he was interviewed by a local newspaper um, about his experience, and he told the reporter that story, and then the next day he lapsed into a catatonic state, which I now recognize, I was young at the time, but I now recognize it was PTSD, it was post-traumatic stress, of reliving that experience. And so as I, I think that um, asking my father too much might have caused him to relive that experience in a harmful way, too, I wish I would know. I wish I would have known more about his experience. I know the number that was tattooed on his arm. I know what day he was taken into the camps. I know what day he was liberated from the camps. But that's all because of oh, the United States Holocaust Museum in Washington D.C., where those records are kept. I didn't hear that from him. And uh, you know, my father was in World War II, uh, and he r really did not like talking about the war. Right, uh, right. I, and, I, and I, I think you're, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. And and probably for that reason, I think he was protecting you, and as my father was probably protecting me. And the rekindling of those memories could have been very, very painful. Let's tie in uh, No Regrets Living with what you say was almost like the sequel to Miracles We Have Seen. What kind of miracles, and I guess one could describe a miracle as just life itself, couldn't we? Right. I, I, think that's the, I think that's the big aha for me that resulted in the No Regrets Living book, and that is really what Albert Einstein said, that I'm the kind of person who sees miracles everywhere. But, but there are, there are uh, lots of different categories of miracles. Um, there's the small ones of seeing a virus explode human cells in a test tube and having no idea how that could possibly happen and, and how something like that could result in shutting down basically the entire world as we have been shut down for the past a year and, and a quarter. Um, but uh, there are also the small miracles of 
of seeing someone who has been sick get better. Um, I, I had, as I mentioned, this, I have this long zipper scar on my chest from heart surgery, but that's, in my mind, no more miraculous than when we heal from a paper cut, because our body is equipped with first responders, first responder cells that recognize any kind of injury, even if we don't appreciate it. We, we recognize a paper cut, but there are abnormal cells and abnormal processes going on in our bodies all the time. And miraculously, our bodies figure out a way to deal with that. And then there are the big miracles. There's the splitting of the Red Sea miracle. There's the flood, Noah's flood miracle. There's the manna from heaven miracle. And I wasn't there for any of those, and I can't say that they did or didn't happen, but historians have found equivalence um, in modern times. So that the manna from heaven um, was thought to be miraculous when it first appeared to the Hebrews walk, wandering in the desert, but then they got bored of it. People are, people are fickle. And they asked Moses, the story goes, uh, in the Bible, they asked Moses for meat. And miraculously, quail landed at their feet <laughs> enough to feed 600,000 Hebrews wandering in the desert. And then there's this report in the New York Times that says every year the quail come back to Alexandria, Egypt. And the story goes that in the migration path of the quail, they oftentimes land by the tens of thousands uh, uh, in Egypt and, and are trapped by Egyptian bird trappers who then use the quail meat and sell the quail meat. And so it seems less unbelievable or more believable, to avoid the double negative, it seems more believable when we realize that this happens in modern time. One of the ten plagues was locusts. Well, locusts invaded Egypt and northern Africa in the year 2020. Last year, there was an infestation of locusts in Egypt and in northern Africa. So it, it was it a miracle that the locusts came to Egypt? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the miracle was that they came when they did, that the timing was miraculous. The Red Sea split. Miraculous? Well, there have been studies that Lake Erie splits, that there are certain windstorms that cause water to recede and to, and to create a path to walk on in the middle of a lake. Well, maybe that's what happened, but maybe the miracle was that it happened when it did, just when it was supposed to happen. So, um, I, I see miracles, and none of those are, in my mind, greater than the fact that a sperm meets an egg and creates a human baby. In my mind, that's one of the greatest miracles of all, and, and that includes the splitting of the Red Sea. I, th I think rain is a miracle. I mean, what are the odds that plants need uh, water in order to exist it obviously can't walk to a lake and drink, so it's got to wait for something to dump rain on it, and it rains. I mean, that's a miracle. That, that, George, that is, that is a, an almost exact paraphrasing of what I wrote about, and, it's, and, and I take it even one step further. And not only is rain miraculous, but look at the whole system that provides rain. It rains. The, the rain evaporates, it goes back into the clouds, the clouds again uh, produce the rain, 
And everything is nourished, not just plants, but we could turn on the faucet That's and right. we're nourished. And the air that we breathe, the oxygen that we breathe, comes from those plants, which are nurtured from by the rain, and they, in turn, breathe the carbon dioxide that we emit, that we exhale. And that's a remarkable system. I mean, it, imagine trying to create that. Imagine a human being trying to create that. And then go back to key number one. Don't we have to believe that there's something greater than us? Don't we have to believe that we are not the be-all and the end-all? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.